Kia ora, I'm Bo Runga and I do love a good name pun. I've got a boutique, a bose, a boffice and a range of bespoke jewellery. I'm a musician and a designer, but most of all, I'm a storyteller. And we've all got stories to tell. Here's one about me. When I was brand new, I didn't have a name for the longest time. My Malaysian Chinese mother would call me Bobo, a term of endearment many Chinese call their little ones. My Māori father liked the sound of it and decided that it was the perfect name for me. With a bit of creative spelling, Bobo became how I was known, and later, Bo. Bobo Radio invites my guests to recall their most treasured childhood stories and to share the precious moments they're creating with their children. Today, I'm very pleased to welcome the very lovely and talented Mimi Gilmore Buckley. Mimi is mama to beautiful daughters Olympia and Octavia and wife to Stephen. She's an entrepreneur, restaurateur and boss lady as CEO of Burger Burger and co-founder of Mexico. She also has a marketing agency, Mates. There's so many jobs here. I know, sorry. <laughs> Most recently, Mimi has launched a skincare brand and is working on a resilience building app that shares the same name, I Am Me. Welcome, welcome Mimi. It's such a pleasure to have you here, finally. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me. You're a very interesting person. You've got a lot going on in different kind of fields. Mm. Um and you've got your journey with Olympia yeah. and as a mother in general. But yeah. it's fitting all this in, you know. And now you're going to start this process again with another child. I know, child. With another child in another business, which is going to be even, yeah. Another but, business besides well, I, I am? No, I am me. I mean, I am me as a business because yeah. I love building. <clears throat> I love the control that you have in business, you know. And I think for me it kind of started in how do we... My initially started for me because I wanted, I was thinking about a scalable solution to our global health crisis, basically. Mm. Um, and well, that's a lot to take on. Can I just say? I know. <laughs> I don't just. Oh, look! I just want to start a business, and it's got wonderful products. And no, 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 no. It's just, much more worldwide. Than that. I thought of. Yeah, my, I, this is what I was saying before. My brain's very busy all the time, and I guess there was like all these experiences with Olympia, and I, mm. we employ quite a lot of, you know, a lot of beautiful humans, and we've gone through this really crazy time, and mm. also I've just seen so many. I mean, I've always, I'm fascinated by human behaviour, and I've had my own mental health challenges, but, um, I'm just because I also work in the marketing world, and I watch, you know this evolution of social media right. and, and and the manipulative nature of social media oh, yeah. I, just, I don't I want think, to plant words I think that the disillusions that are coming out of mm. it which are um, have had this flow on effect of people being able to to be unable to um, put their own life into perspective you know mm. they've lost perspective and yeah. comparison is kind of the I root think- of real of, of all evil for me in in social media, you know, mm. and you are you saying that when you look at, I mean, I'm pretty sure you are saying this. When you look at other people's lives and then compare them to your own, you're mm. feeling like you're lacking. Because yeah, I think that's I think, a real. I think it is. Issue, I mean, I think it's, it? it's, it's a platform thinking. designed to, you know, like I think the thing about technology is that you get, um, given things that you like and want to see all the time. You know, and so you 
we we just get given these things that are either like make us feel like it's something that we want, make us think something that we you know like make us feel happy, and we have less often faced with with things that make us feel uncomfortable or of course, confronted, yeah. mm. and so we've got this generation and this way of being now where it's like we don't want I don't want to ever feel uncomfortable. I want to just absorb information that makes me feel good and is potentially aspirational and then all these people that I think that are like more successful or prettier or better than me and that's going you know and it's just caused this really bad balance in how we can self-regulate I guess in a a certain way unrealistic yeah Yeah. unrealistic expectations um and so therefore we can't regulate the realities of us out you know how we fit into you know, all our expectations around life, you know? Like, mm. life is not a perfect place. No. But that's a beautiful thing, you know? It's mm. like we've kind of got to this place in the, in the world where we think that discomfort is bad, you know? Mm. That con- confrontation is bad, that, like, failure is bad, and it's just not. Mm. Um, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And so home. I just don't think that we just have, a, a, a you know, a generation that have a... You know, I think we've gone from one extreme where we were probably like everyone just keep going, work too hard, do all these things. Yeah. So kind of like a generation that just like twenty year olds that are like, I can't work for more than thirty hours a week because I need a work life balance. I'm like, You're twenty. I had two oh. jobs, I was going out every night getting pissed, <laughs> not sleeping, and I was still fine, you know? Like, you're okay. I and me had come about from such a strange place for you because obviously you gave birth to this beautiful daughter, but she has health issues that obviously yeah. you didn't find out. You found out about this while she was still in your womb. Can you tell us yeah. about that? So it, um, it was about a week before her due date, and she just one night was moving less than she had. So I, but she was still moving, and I think at that point, weirdly, like I got brought up by a, a father. My father is a doctor, and mm. so we were brought up and you had to be dying to get attention. So I was quite like, um, like fascinated oh, okay. at how nervous I was during the process of pregnancy. Like I didn't think I would be, um, and so I'd asked a lot of questions up until that point, And I guess I sort of told myself that night, like, don't overreact. It's, it's fine. Okay. Just, yeah. yeah. Um, so she, yeah, we're still moving, but moving less. And then I kind of was like, well, my, I'm, I was really tired. And I thought, oh, I'm going to the obstetrician in the morning anyway. I'll go and see um, them. And I woke up and basically my point was at 10 o'clock. And I went in and there, her heart rate was definitely showing distress, but it wasn't alarming in, in any shape or form. And... So, so this left, was at the obstetrician. This is at the obstetrician. Yes. They yeah. left me on the monitor and then they said to me, oh, we're just going to send you up to the hospital. I just want to get a second opinion. So they sent me up there and put me on the same monitor and I was probably on that for like an hour and then they said, we're just going to send you for an ultrasound. Oh, right. And when now, you know, when you just know in someone's face when they're like uh, – she began the ultrasound and then sort of looked at me and said, I'm just going to go and oh, wow. grab your doctor. And I was mm-hmm. like, mm, okay. And then she said, just get dressed and go back to your room. And we went back to the room and it just went from zero to like 10. So they just like came in and like, this baby's going to come out. 
It's under oh, a huge wow. amount of stress. Yeah, doctors signing forms, you know, like it just went from, yeah. And I think one of the, also one of the challenges was that I actually had to wait for theatre. There was no available theatres. So I think that was probably the beginning of like, I just, I don't, it's quite, I, I don't think they well, openly like an talk about. body experience kind well, of Well, I just was, was I, just no one sort of, you just, I was not, I did not get up in that, mor- that morning and think I'm going to have an emergency caesarean today. And I don't think I'd ever actually thought about having an emergency no. caesarean. I had very much always been, I'm going to do whatever it takes to deliver a healthy baby. So mm. I hadn't ruled out anything. I just didn't see it happening in a emergency mm. situation, which is fascinating really because it's highly likely that these things can go wrong. Um, and so she was born. She didn't. When she came out, she wasn't breathing. Um, they sort of. You know, they weirdly talk you through the process when they're cutting your stomach open. And she said, okay, I'm going to give you one, two, three, big, you're going to feel a big tug and out comes baby, wah. You know, like she literally said that. And so it was like, one, two, three, tug, and out she came and there was no, no noise. No wah. Yeah. And when, you know, obviously there's this tarpaulin up in your, it's a very weird experience, isn't it? It's just so far mm. from um, the romantic birthing um, experience I had in my head and so they rushed her over to a table and obviously there was neonatal specialists in the room and they got her breathing pretty quickly. And then she's always, she's always, she's never needed oxygen. She's never, unless she's really sick. But so then she did cry. And at this point I was like, um, is anyone going to tell me what baby? Cause we, I, I didn't know what I was having. So I was like, is it a boy or girl? Oh, What's her, like, yeah. where's my baby? I was just like, what? The, it was just kind of like shock. And so they brought her over to see me and then they put her straight back in um, a bed and wheeled her off to NICU and then I had to get obviously stitched up and then went into recovery. So I didn't see her for quite a long time. Mm. And no one had um, yet spoken with you about... They didn't know. Yeah, they didn't so know. So they, they put her into NICU and, you know, like in NICU there's levels one, two and three. Um, one's the worst, three. So they, she went into three, I think, maybe two or three. And I was put into the recovery ward. Um, Stephen, my husband, had gone to see her. They actually wheeled me back into Niku to see her and hold her hand. She was in a um, the full plastic yeah. kind of incubator situation. And then they took me down to my ward. So Stephen was kind of going back and forth. And then in the middle of the night, he... Uh, came back to me and said, she's not there. And I was like, what do you mean she's not there? And they're like, she's, they've moved her. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, they've moved her up to this other room. And I obviously had had a caesarean and I was like, basically couldn't move because I was in so much pain. And I was just, went from panicking. And I think I rang my mum. I think I maybe rang my mum. Or my sister. Oh. Maybe I rang my sister because I didn't want to freak my mum out, but I was starting to freak out, and I yeah. knew that if I rang my mum freaking out, that she'd completely freak out um, and said, I'd need you to come to hospital. Something's going wrong. And, yeah, the next morning they sent her to get an MRI. Wow, yeah. And then the neurologist and our obstetrician... Uh, came into my room and they both had tears in their eyes before they even started talking. And, yeah. 
through tears basically said, I'm so sorry, but this is like the worst brain injury that we've seen for a very long time. And um, I think I just like thought I was going to vomit. Like I just needed everyone to like, I think I went from zero to just being so hot and like, yeah. don't touch me. My mum was like, my whole family were in the room at that stage, both of our families. My husband's such a numbers guy and he was like, like on a scale of ten, what are we talking? And they sort of said eight to nine out of ten. Wow! Yeah, like it that's, was just bad. Yeah, I just was like, my body was just an overdrive, and I was like, I just need everyone to get away from me. I just need to like, um, and yeah. So she had sh- started showing signs of seizure activity, um, and that's why they moved her up to level one and um, put the brain's machine so it's all the millions of wires onto her head and weirdly when she was not physically showing seizure activity she was showing seizure activity on the the monitors and then so in hindsight the physical signs that she was showing were more um just sort of side effects of the brain injury kind of like cerebral palsy so Mm. it was just her body being unable to consciously control her muscles rather than she was having a seizure um so yeah we were in niku for 22 days and it was just like 22 days 22 days and it was just i just hysterically cried and sobbed and sobbed for the first probably five i was just really all the things, I actually just wrote this down for IME the other day and it's funny. I mean, I do have massive gaps of that time. Mm. I think my brain just was obviously in just complete shock. It's just forgotten a whole lot of patches. But, I mean, I just was overwhelmed and angry and devastated and I just wanted to go to sleep and wake up and it all be a dream and mm. I'm such a A-type personality that I'm always been able to fix, you know, like both my husband yeah. and I are the same as that, you know, like tell us what we need to do, whatever it is, we'll do it through effort and we can fix it. And they just were like, she's very, very broken and you cannot fix her. Um, and I think it's interesting. I think doctors are sort of trained... They think it's their duty to tell you everything that they know and everything that they think is going to happen. I'm not sure if that's potentially the best thing to do when someone's in that much shock. But we did have an incredible um, doctor, Dr. Simon Rowley. He's sort of like the senior um, neonatologist. He was just the most beautiful man and there was some incredible nurses and... I think about on day five, I said to one of the nurses, I was like, I just really need, is it bad that I need a glass of wine? <laughs> and she came back later that night with a styrofoam glass full oh. of red wine. <laughs> and I was like, but what about, at that stage, I was like, the, I was pu- pumping like seven times a day because for me, it was like the only thing that I could do for her, which was feed her. Yeah. Um, and I, was like, I said to her, what about, will it affect her? And she said, don't worry, doll, she probably needs it too. Um, So, you know, like it was just, yeah, and I just, my husband was just asking questions, asking questions. He was just online, researching, researching, researching. Um, Yeah, it was just, and and the 
the outlook was she's never going to be able to move. She's probably going to be never going to talk. She won't eat. She she's basically going to be a vegetable. Oh my goodness. She may yeah. even her brain might just stop and she may die. This sort of so, but the, I'm like not that and you're just like, like oh, wow. what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like I am not capable of coping with this. Like this is just I've just oh, I wanted a child my whole life. Like I mm. always wanted to be a mother and you know, all the things like, what did I do wrong? I think I did everything I could. Like, what did they, do, do they know how she no, suffered so such an injury? Funnily enough, we've actually gone through this with a time, fine tooth comb multiple mm. times because we have been battling ACC for the last few years. And oh, no. I mean, they definitely, she had a significant weight drop off towards the end of my pregnancy, which should have been picked up earlier. It was a very rare uh, biological, I guess, you know, conundrum in many ways. I think Mm -hmm. I had a hypercord um, umbilical cord, but that wasn't necessarily enough potentially to... What is a hypercord umbilical cord? What so you mean? can have a hypo or hyper. Hypo. So like, you yep. know, your umbilical cord almost looks like a, like the old telephone oh, yes, um, yes. cord. Yeah. So it's, um, and when it's hy- um, Hy- hyper, it is too, too super too tight. tight. And then okay. uh, yeah, hypo is when it's looser. Yep. So essentially at some point her blood supply was cut off long right. enough to cause a significant injury but not long enough to kill her so it would have been cut off she would have been starved of oxygen and then it's come back on again and mm. because I my body was supporting all of her organs um, the thing that was injured was the brain, brain. but every, she's physically perfect you know um, and she was she was 38 weeks so she was pretty much full, she was full term yeah, yeah. so um, definitely she plummeted from the 50th to the second percentile and I had wow. sort of said a few things like my tummy feels tighter. Like there was a few things and, that you felt, yeah. And so prior to all of this, yeah, yeah. And if there are concerns around the end of the, your pregnancy, you fall. We have a national standard um, of care called the critical path, and it's kind of one of those. If this is happening, yes, no, do this, you know. Mm. And I think it ultimately came down to the, if the weight. Um, if I had had a growth scan and they would have seen how significant that her weight hat was dropping off, that there would have been a conversation around having a caesarean much earlier. You know, and do you know what, though? Like, doctors are humans, you know? Mm. Medicine is not That's perfect. Right. This is no. a really, 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 like, it's a miracle that we grow these... You know, uh, humans in our bodies, yeah. and it's it is a it is a fragile process, you know, mm-hmm. and things can go wrong. And doctors do their absolute best, and medicine improves, but you know, it's not perfect. And but that's course, why people then there needs to be put in place things that people can yeah. And I think what I do what I do like say happen. to other women is that. You don't, you know, I mean, I follow this philosophy in all other areas of my life, but for some reason I, you know, had managed to talk myself into not being, uh, 
don't be a hypochondriac, you know? Like, I think if you know your body and you mm. know how you feel, and I think there's nothing, I sort of say to women now, like, if you have questions or if you are uncomfortable or something feels different, just go and talk, like, ask a doctor, mm. go and see a doctor, don't wait, don't think, oh, you know. I'm fine, this is yeah. normal. If you don't feel like it's normal, go and ask, you know? You, like, you actually need to have a doctor who's, who lets you do that. Too, yeah, and you know? it's you really need to have somebody who totally, will totally and be it's, part of that. And it's quite hard, isn't it? Because mm. our medical system is stretched. They're mm. all stretched so badly now. Yeah. And, you know, my second pregnancy, I had the same obstetrician. I really felt like we needed to both go through a... Um, healthy journey together mm-hmm. and she did say to me at the beginning this is what we're going to do is anytime there's any problem you're going to call me we're going to have a scan and we're going to have a look and it's going to be fine was there um anxiety over I, again like having were you worried that something I, could go wrong or you're like nope nope that's okay this went not into it very yeah. much with the with the perspective that what had happened to olympia was a one in a million unfortunate mm. you know complication and other than that I was a, I'm a very healthy person I um am very lucky that I get pregnant very easily and I knew that I had highly alert and some of the best medical um support you know that mm. we have available to us around me so I just I felt really good going into it mm. definitely towards the end I started feeling anxious a little, a little bit like yeah. I have like sort of slight panic attacks sometimes and then I just call her would get a scan she'd check it and it was fine and when, um, Octavia was taken out at 37 weeks via a cesarean just to um ensure that she would be delivered as a healthy baby so yeah I was mm. I mean not really like I didn't I wasn't a nervous wreck for um nine months oh no you don't but want I that. definitely um yeah I think in the back I think, of your mind yeah yeah I think you just have to mm. accept that and now you're going to do this journey again I am <laughs> gosh I always thought I'd have two but then um my apparently you're having four yeah, according to what you told my me before. My husband is one of like four. Stephen? Stephen? Stephen, yes. I don't know, Stephen. I'm three and four. Yes. Yeah. I, I actually think I would have four if I didn't have to go through the pregnancy aspect of it. We'll see. I went onto your Kickstarter page and watched oh, yeah. the video there, which is very moving and very, oh my goodness, let's have a moment. <laughs> I... Uh, and but it's bald when I first watched oh, it, which is weird I because... Did, I nearly did. I yeah. was like, I teared up for sure. Because we had... You know, like we've written it so many times, and you know, like I didn't think that it would make me, yeah. So she's it's very matter of fact, but it's also very emotive. Like you're just yeah. telling it how it is. I think and for me, yeah, IME is it's a business, but we're building a community, mm. and that community is about discussing ways to think differently to help you take steps forwards towards a life, you know, and a way of living that you would like to be living i'm going to say ima is mm. designed at the moment so ima is here to empower women to feel more confident and capable in five minutes a day oh i i I need that five minutes five minutes Mm. that you already have so Mm. we're not trying to introduce new things into your life we're repurposing something that you're already doing Mm. and so 
kind of came from a lot of things. About three months after Olympia was born, I just woke up one day and and I just, I was just, this light switch went on and it was like, right, I need to feel like me again. Mm. I need to um, get out of this house. I need to find a way to be the best version of, you know, the best version of myself to be a wonderful mother for Olympia. Mm. And so I just started this process where I would, when I was washing my face every day, I would imagine that I was washing away, you know, the things that I couldn't control. I was washing away, you know, the comparisons that I was making to from our lives to other people. I was just washing away, you know, like all of this stress. And then when I would be putting on my moisturizer, I would be sort of thinking about, you know, putting in good things. Yeah, like what? <laughs> yeah. Like okay, well, let's focus on what what can I do today? You know, like mm. what energy do I have, and what can I what can I channel that energy into that's going to contribute to her and and you know and me find myself again? You know, like mm. find my vibe. I still wanted to be a successful businesswoman. I still wanted to live life with the people that I loved and. Ultimately, I wanted to be a great mother for Olympia. So mm. that was kind of the beginning of it. And then... As, and you wanted to change the world. But that came a tiny you bit later. to change the world. Um, no. <laughs> I uh, then started learning more and more about, I guess, the brain because mm-hmm. Olympia's brain was quite injured. She had, you know, like large parts of her brain are injured. And so I started reading a little bit um, more about neuroplasticity. So our brain is just made up of, you know, like millions and millions of connections. And even though there is, you're technically born with a system and there's certain areas of your brain that are designed to do certain things, you can actually completely retrain your brain. You can like retrain parts of your brain that were designed to like move your arm, for instance, to actually move your leg. If you, through repetition mm. and the volume of that repetition. And so that same theory applies to physically doing things. So for um, Olympia... It's like motor, getting your motor skills. Yeah, so for means. Olympia, for instance, if we need to teach her how to reach her arm out, then her physiotherapist will um, do that through exercises which involve actually physically moving her arm for her over and over again but the other thing that was really fascinating for me was in order like the f- to speed up that connection the more sense positive sensory inputs that you could include in that process so what was her relationship like with the therapist what was the environment like that she was in was it warm was she comfortable did she have mm. music on because that makes her feel happy and positive mm. which therefore controls you know, it helps reinforce this motion. Yeah. yeah. That she will remember this motion. Yeah. And you were talking before about music therapy. Like, yeah. your Rakatari was, you know, one of the first really um, big kind of uh, holistic therapies which made a massive difference to Olympia. Mm. Like, she, hear, because yeah. she wanted to participate with the guitar. Mm. that she it encouraged her to reach volunt you know like to reach out with her arm so even though it was music therapy and it was emotional for her and it was fun yeah. actually it was helping with her ability to learn how to move her arm you know so it's wonderful it was yeah. it seems like it's 
weirdly kind of a very simple concept, but and it's and when you think about it, you're kind of like, well, of course, all of this makes sense. Mm. Um, but that for me was why that process for my skincare was, had been so successful, and there is also a lot of science around the connection between your skin health and your and your mental health. I mean, our skin is ultimately our largest organ, and mm. women do feel more confident when their skin is healthy. And so, and then I was doing this process, which was repetitive. It was sensory driven because I had, um, was using a cleansing balm, which is oil. It had a really beautiful botanical smell. I was doing the same exercise. I was Mm. including thoughts in this pattern. And for me, that changed, that helped me change the way that I was thinking about our future. Mm. And And it was meditative. Yeah, and it was meditative, yeah. yeah. So it was a a mindfulness practice as well, you know? Like, it brought me into the now. It allowed me to see forward. It allowed me to calm my central nervous Mm. system. It allowed me to control my thoughts, you know, and choose choose who I wanted to be in that moment. Mm. Um, Five minutes, people. Five minutes, Yeah. yeah. And so I told one or two other people that had come to me that were having other challenging times and Mm. they kind of came back to me a few months later and said that actually really made a difference to me and I was like wow that's fascinating I didn't even think about it and then I guess I see because we you know have 140 employees and I have friends that have gone through lots of different life challenges um and, you know, over the years, I've always been a bit advocate of, um, you know, counselling or whatever it takes. I'm very open about my mental health challenges. Um, and I just think, you know, we had this, we have this increase in sort of anxiety and this mm. inability, you know, yeah. globally. And then obviously COVID came along and it just... Really um, nailed that one. Really. Hard, it's Put like, a rocket yeah. up that situation. Were you anxious before? Yeah, we anxious we'll try before. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think I just started, like, I think because, as I said, like, the way that my brain works, like, I mean, I love... You're um, a bit of a problem solver, aren't you? I'm a problem you? solver, like, I yeah. I this problem. I want to work out how to turn it. Yeah, I like, how do we do I love this? problem solving and I love human behaviour and I love observing, yeah, and thinking about, new, I guess, new ways of... Um, doing things maybe okay I, I did a fine arts degree so I've got you know oh, I wow. guess a bit of a at Elam and I just kept talking about it and I think in the like the end of the like that lot first lockdown my husband and my sister separately said to me like you just need to do this mm. um and originally we were calling it brave a brave face because three months after Olympia was born I wrote this I hadn't really done anything on social media and it was when I decided that I needed to leave my house and I wrote this post and it said I wrote I called it brave face and I just said you know what I need to let this is what's happened and I need to leave my house and I will probably burst into tears if I see you in the street so (laughs) give me a glass of wine or a cuddle and I'll pull myself together um and that's how it started and so we're kind of two and a half years down the track um I have a beautiful co-founder called Lucy East who is an old friend um I didn't want to do this on my own and we have complementary skills and I think we both were looking for a project that would fulfill us um, from a you know like a career perspective in some ways mm. um, but also needed to be more than that and we yeah well like <laughs> let's try and create a business 
I guess also at the t- at the time, like one of the things for me was like even with that youth line, for instance, during lockdown, you know, yes. going into a crisis state because they'd had funding cut off. And oh, so, so distressing. I wanted to build a a scalable. Uh, well-being mental health solution that didn't necessarily talk about mental health mm. because it has a huge amount of stigma around it still, sure. even though it's a, obviously a global issue. And the reason I kind of came around to the skincare was um, I read another book around... It was actually a guy that did his, his PhD um, on the triggers that... Uh, put into apps that make us um, addicted to them. Right. And so the idea was that there was these triggers. Like Candy Crush. Yeah, Candy <laughs> Crush really or in, even no. Instagram or no. Facebook, you know, sure. like um, the things that – and so there were like triggers to remind you to interact. And right, yeah. so for me I was like, hang on. I just – I think I opened my cupboard one day and I was like looking at all these other brands of skincare and I was like – what happened if you, every time you looked at your skincare, it reminded you to do this mm. and it, invo- it mm. was a mindfulness practice? Our goal is to get you into a preventative practice mm. rather than waiting for you, something to go wrong something to, to trigger, then reach yeah. out yeah. to look for help. Mm. Because so IME has a beautiful digital platform that will have, we're calling them life bites. So you, while you're doing your face, you start with our IME mindfulness practice and then you were dished up one little snippet mm. um, from a wise woman. And that might be an idea, a perspective, or it might be a piece of advice from a specialist. Mm. One idea. About something, something, something snackable that something people can snackable, understand and take that, in. Just one yes. little thing that you could open your mind up to while you're doing your skincare that could mm. be, um, they're all linked back to an area of life and um, you can either kind of just get them dished up to you randomly or if there is a specific focus in your life, you can, you can mm. kind of set it so that you're getting, and then all they are is like tiny little slices of, you know, um, moments that are shared by other women that, and you know, in some things, I think it's for us, it's just about like, hey, there is just a world of opportunities and perspectives mm. and ideas out there and you just got to find the right one for you. It's really based also largely around habit stacking. I don't know mm. if you've read about, um, there's a really amazing book called Atomic Habits. No. His name. Um, and... It's kind of if it's the same theory as creating like new you know new neuron, neuron pathways. pathways. Mm. Um, if you want to change the way you uh, think, be, behave, um, you can use the structure of introducing habits. So you just introduce a habit into your life by sandwiching it in between something that encourages you to do it and then rewards <laughs> you for doing it. And right. eventually, you're it, retraining yourself. It becomes habitual. Yeah, yeah. habitual. So yeah. it's. Um, I need that. Yeah, it's a really, really... Do you know what the... I mean, ultimately it comes down to tiny daily incremental changes Mm. will add up to... Of course. You know, like long-lasting big results. So instead Mm. of going, I've got this massive... I know, because that that could seem like a mountain. That could seem like a... The mountain, But you can chip away at that mountain with your tiny pickaxe. You can do it. You just do... Start, you know, like start with a walk to the end of the street and back every day, and then mm. eventually you'll be running up a mountain. You know, mm. that's kind of mm. that. I there's always mm. a way to take one step forward. 
I went and saw this naturopath that everyone had recommended to me because I really like lost, I just developed a really unhealthy relationship with my body after having children. It was weird. Like I, I found the whole like boobs being my sex thing and then breastfeeding <laughs> and then like I just yeah. lost my yeah. sexuality. I sure. lo- Like it was so weird. I just felt weird yeah so this is, having, like, this is for this is for yeah like having, looking after your baby yeah it's not for and having what then used i just to be. wanted to be intimate with my husband but i was just really confronted by it and this woman <laughs> and this and this i mean i've had two cesareans as well my stomach's an absolute schmuzzle but um someone quite a few people had sort of said to me i go and see this naturopath and she was fucking mad but awesome like i walked in there and she's like God, she made me do a shot of Carver because she said, oh, wow. you're a okay. nervous wreck. And you're like, I was sitting there obviously tapping, 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 tapping my foot. And she's just like, you're exhausted. Mm. Um, and so she did. we did a whole lot of things. But one of the um, her recommendations to me was like tequila. Oh, oh, look, I have many friends who she, that's, that's she, a recommendation for a lot of things is tequila. She basically said spirits. And she said, yeah. my spirit is tequila. Mm-hmm. And like, your body processes it really well. Does she, does she match people up with their their spirits? I don't or their, think. So. I think she sort of said everyone thing. reacts to different spirits in different ways. But it's right. like your body processes them really well. Like not high in sugar. It mm. kind of like has this chemical reaction that allows you to kind of like almost like separate your your body from your brain from your body, but in a really beautiful way that kind mm. of like allows that space for you to get comfortable again. You know? Wow, that's and a, I was just that's like, like a naturopath going. I was like, lady, you need a shot. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> you are. This is the this is my idea of fucking nephropathy. <laughs> I'm like, I am here for this. <laughs> no. And but it was actually game changing. Wow. And so I was saying to the other day, I was like, I actually oh, have okay. a vision for I and me that we will make our own tequila. Oh. And look. you know, and that you can do skincare and we might make, we you know, like well, another thing that we're really Mexico in- tequila. Totally. You know, yeah. like nootropic like nootropics mm-hmm. are really interesting as well. Like I I do think there are some really cool things. Mm. Um that can help us, you know, like mm. for us with the IME, it was like, do you know what? It's totally fucking fine if in order to feel a little bit more confident when you walk out the door in the morning that you want healthy looking skin. Like mm. that's cool. Oh, yeah, you know, don't like it's mm. not superficial, but it's just, it is what it is. And so let's like, you know, look after this beautiful organ and mm. find a way to make it work for you. Mm. You know, I had like developed like quite like a lot of like really dry skin, like patches of eczema from being in the hospital. I obviously just cry, you know? And so mm. I just weirdly like went and I just, I needed my skin to feel healthy again for mm. me to feel. And I, it was the same, like I went, my, I have a, one of my best friends is my hairdresser <laughs> as well because I have two. And I went and saw her probably around like the four month mark. And I just walked in and sat down and as soon as she like touched my head, I just bawled my eyes out. We both basically Aww. cried and like no, couldn't talk to each other. But I just needed my hair. Like I just remember feeling so much better for some reason. Mm. I just needed that to like take a. That was for me that day. It was like that was what I needed to take yeah. that one step forward. You know, because I'm like an open book and I talk about these things all the time. Like so many people, are like oh yeah, I felt like that. Too. Like you know, mm. and it's just like of course you do. Because because you just grow in a fucking human. <laughs> then you got chopped open. And st- yeah. My stomach's like flabby as hell, and my 
boobs are an absolute disaster. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, it's it's a lot. Yeah. But I love also it. just get your... I love your honesty about things. Like, get like, your yeah. sexy rap. Do you know about love languages? No, but is it a book? It is a, there is there a book, is a book and there it's a, a system. So there's mm. five ways that people give and receive love. And you can give and receive loves in different ways. Mm. Um, but it's a really cool framework to look at why relationships might or may not be working or how to get the best out of someone that you are in a relationship with, whether that be like a sexual relationship or a friendship or mm. a sibling or whatever. Um, and so one of the connectors that Stephen and I have always had is physical touch. Mm. That's like touching each other, just for affirmation yeah. of you being present. Yeah, just with t- them. touching. Yeah. Um, so the five love languages are um, physical touch, quality time, uh, words of affirmation, gift giving, and acts of service. So I, for instance, he so Stephen receives love um, through words of affirmation, whereas mm. I don't. I do not need to be told that I'm loved all the time. I need quality time and mm. I need physical touch. Mm. I show my love through acts of service. So mm. I will cook for people or, mm. you know, like make sure that someone, if I know that someone's, you know, I don't know, I, I do things for people, you mm. know, or create, um, and, but I also give love and physical touch. So like the fact that we weren't being, intimate was having a huge negative effect on our marriage mm. you know and yeah. so not only did and I and the stress I, of what was going on with you guys as well you know to- actually, totally it's all weighing 100 yeah. yeah. but like it was kind which of just understandable which yeah. was was understandable but we you know it got to a crisis point where we're like mm. we need to i need to feel i want to feel comfortable on my own skin again mm. for myself but i i want my relationship to improve my husband because we're in mm. this together, yeah. you know, and we need each other at the mm. moment, yeah. you know, and, like, the best thing that we could do is, find. like, I needed to find a way to reconnect with him on a level that made us mm. look after him. And he it. obviously wanted to do that too. Totally. Because, he I just mean, didn't understand, like, he couldn't understand what was going on with me because yeah. the more uncomfortable I got, the more I shut down and didn't talk yeah. about it. Yeah, it's hard. So it was just, you know, like, yeah. And like all I need to do Did is Did you read that book together? Drink some tequila and <laughs> went to the naturopath together. Right. Yeah. Tequila, <laughs> some carver. No, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some carver with a tequila and she chaser. Also, yeah, she also put me on a bit of a ketogenic diet at the time actually oh, as well. Okay. Um which was quite good yeah. for energy levels and sleeping mm. and yeah. So Olympia She changed. I think your at life, that point she changed she changed, changed a, your she's life. She's changed a, do you know what? Like I am me is Olympia's message to the world you mm, know I feel I feel yeah. like it's it's the reason she is here is mm. you know and the reason I'm then doing what I'm talk. doing yeah she, can, she can talk, talk. and she mm. is a magical 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 joke, a little girl and it's really 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 fucking hard some days because mm. she's had so much taken um away from her but she is definitely um I also shared this with someone yesterday because I was thinking about the process of that. Like very early on, my husband's family are quite religious and mm. my family are not. Mm. <laughs> and my rea- one of my sort of anger reactions when she was born was like, you know, tell me what your God's plan is with this, you right. know, like yeah. what the actual 
this is bullshit. Well, yeah. I, I'm not, you know, and... Stephen's mother actually really honestly said to me, Mimi, you know what? I'm actually asking that same question myself. Wow, well, yeah. And and she also sort of said to me one day, why, I guess, why why are we, not inflicting, but why are we viewing Olympia's like quality of life through our lens mm. when her quality of life belongs to her? Mm. And I was just like, oh, my God. That is so... Because we can't see from her perspective, yeah. But, like, what we can do... And so one of the things that I got up and told myself every morning was I can make sure that she feels loved, that she feels supported, that she feels encouraged. And, like, one of my focuses always been for her. How do we give her as much independence, Mm. you know, as we can give her? For someone who is so reliant yeah. yeah, she yeah. just has the best life ever. Like, she oh. is just absolutely adored and loved on and cuddled, and she's the best life ever. You know, she doesn't know any different except for people just loving her. I definitely, you know, I, I find myself, and this is where I have to actively stop these thoughts, you know, like looking at her interact with Octavia and wonder whether she's wondering why Octavia can do things that she can't. But that's just all in my brain, right? Mm. So. Yeah. I just, she, her sister was one of the best things, you know, in a weird way, Octavia saved us all a little bit, you know, yeah. like she gave David and I, you know, a very different experience. Olympia is just obsessed with her. Octavia oh. is just so gorgeous with, you know, That's Olympia wonderful. and she- it really gave our whole family just that little you know um yeah yeah it just brought a new dimension into our family that was a really beautiful piece of glue in a weird way that kind of stuck us all back together so it's cool you know like I think there's like 25 people that I deal with for Olympia we you know also have had money to invest in supporting her and supporting ourselves through this, mm. which does upset me because there's a lot of families that don't have the resources that or sure. support that we have. Um, oh, and so probably that would be, that's going to be another one of my life missions. <laughs> free time, you know. <laughs> Where you fit it in. Yeah, I mean the gap others, between yeah. private and, and public care for special needs individuals is um, is huge. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, she is 24-7 care. Mm, like wow. she sleeps next to us. She has, you know, it's it's a lot. And mm. whilst we have some like a beautiful children's hospital full of very clever doctors, you know, yeah. it's just it's it's a lot. But but she's she's just she's magical, and she's going to school. She's studying school next term, which is just that's like, exciting. I know.